Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode one of A Troop of Players, an actual play podcast. I am your GM, Chris McLean, and I am so excited for you to join us on our first campaign. In season one, A Ballad of Truth, we will be telling a story in the vein of JRPGs like Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts, so our players are larger-than-life heroes capable of doing incredible feats of heroism and magics while uh, physics take more of a backseat. Our story is set in Serenel, a homebrewed setting evocative of the late 1800s. Uh, it's not exactly steampunk, but there are Victorian-style clothes and some anachronistic technologies like airships and such. Uh, if you would like a full rundown on the setting, I recommend you listen to our Primer episode or head over to our Instagram or TikTok page where we break the setting and relevant lore into easy-to-consume bites. As a heads up, we're explicitly more in interested in using tabletop role-playing games as a lens through which to tell story, then we are using them to play the game in and of itself. So as such, those of you familiar with the games we play throughout the tenure of this podcast, not just the season, you may notice that sometimes we are not entirely faithful to the rules, but we hope the stories we tell will be enough for you to look past that and stick with us. So with all that said and done, allow me to introduce you to our players. To start us off, it is my privilege to introduce you to the myth in the making, Michael Jones. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Uh, not much. What's up with you? Not much, not much. So I'm going to be playing Atlas White, he, they pronouns. He is a an archaeologist and a bit of a, a scholar now these days. I love it. And do you know anyone in the party? Mr. White? Hmm, I'm, I'm trying to look into my third eye here. Yeah, of course, my student. <gasps> Gwen Godwin, played by the immaculate Tatiana Bustamante. Hey, Tati, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, yes, my character's name is Guinevere Godwin, Gwen for short. I am a rebellious airship heiress with a theme of revolution and rebellion. I am from Plataea, the capital of the Empire of Udraria. And I am daughter of Simon and Lenora Godwin. Simon is the owner of Godwin Dry Dock and Shipbuilding Company, aka Godwin Shipco, which is the world's largest airship manufacturer. They have quite a monopoly on the crystals that power Magitech, so that's important. And yes, Mike, Mike's character, Atlas White, is my former teacher. I also know Sharon's character. Remind me your name, Sharon? Cassandra. Cassandra, that's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I love I love Mike's just like, yeah, here's what I am. Here's what I do. And then Tati's just like, lore. He's <laughs> about right. And speaking of Cassandra, everyone say hello to my wife, Sharon, whose stage name is Sharon Ryan. But I know her as uh, the love of my life. Hi, honey. Hi. Oh, my God. <laughs> so cheesy. What okay. an intro. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. People are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, wow, Chris hates all of his friends except for his wife. <laughs> they're playing with this guy? No. Yeah, legit. Hey, hey, Sharon, please tell us about Cassandra. So I am Sharon Ray Ryan and I'm going to be playing Cassandra Odin. And she is the dictatorian of the teacher. The teacher is the entity worshipped by the Hallowed Academy which is the dominant religion in the world. The church believes uh, in revealing truth in everything 
and honesty, education, and introspection, um, knowledge above all. Yeah, they believe that knowing about the universe brings them closer to their God. Yes. They're called, the followers of the religion are called learners, and they believe that they're reincarnated as humans over and over again. And in each life, they have to learn as much as possible so that eventually, once they've learned enough, they can join the teacher in the afterlife. So Cassandra, as the speaker for the teacher, has a direct line of communication with the teacher and is uh, prophesied to bring about a golden age of enlightenment and knowledge with no war. The Hallowed Academy also has an opposite of the teacher. So there's two gods and the other god is known as the deceiver, who is, you know, the opposite of bringing truth and knowledge, basically. yeah, They believe that lying is like... That's probably the major sin is lying or preventing someone from learning. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, they don't believe in like murder and stuff like well, yeah. that. But like it, it, they put a great deal in like lying is an evil yeah. that is happening. Because like, I mean, pretty much everything, even to, even murder, like ties back to that fact, because to murder someone is to end their learning prematurely yeah no that is true and you don't you don't always walk around being called the dictatorian you are also as shorthand for that you are called the speaker the speaker yeah the mouthpiece the mouthpiece of the teacher yeah because she is the speaker she has tattoos that start in her like on her stomach and go up and and on her back and they sort of go up and form a t-shape on the front and the back and then connect over her shoulders and the top bits of her arms. Mm -hmm. And it's just all of her titles, healer of the world, speaker, teacher, mouthpiece of the speaker, dictatorian, all over in every language that has ever been written or spoken or thought on this world. Um, So some of them are dead languages. Some of them are currently being spoken. And when she uses her powers through the teacher, her tattoos glow and sort of liquefy. They glow blue and liquefy together into this blue glow that goes up her shoulders and then down her arms into her palms. Mm-hmm. And and it depends on the kind of spell she's casting. True. Like if she's doing a prophetic vision or speaking to the teacher, they actually flow into her eyes. Yes. And then if she's like casting spells traditionally, they flow into the palms into of her, her hands. hands. Mm-hmm. And her barrier spell is sort of her most common as the healer. And she it looks like a shell of water with the light reflecting off of it. Yeah, like when you're sort looking at a pool. Yeah, when you're looking at the floor of the pool and you see the water flowing. And the way people knew she was the speaker was she was born with those with tattoos. tattoos. Yeah, they're yeah. not they're not technically tattoos. They're birthmarks kind yeah. of. <laughs> they're the mark of the teacher. But basically, and she grew up in the city of Illuminaria, which is the capital of the religion essentially it is like the vatican yeah it's it's um, it's a city state yeah. and it's a floating city state it was sort of the world power for a really long time and it's still a world power because it was the only source of high quality gaiasite which is what's used to power airships now it is no longer the only no because of east coveland yeah so, so gaiasite is the miracle mineral that powers all of the magitech in the setting and for generations illuminaria was the only place where you could get gaiasite good enough for there to be airships and that was how you how your family got connected with uh, gwen's family yes because of that gaiasite Yes, and then this is the first time that I've ever left Illuminaria, and I ran away with Gwen. <gasps> oh my goodness, you're such a rule breaker. Yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's 
<laughs> it's the a lot. The first rule she's ever broken. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Cassandra. Yeah. And what's her theme? Oh, I'm sorry. Her theme is hope always. Oh, oh I love you. <laughs> oh, my God. Mr. Superman, Blue Lantern, love Star Wars. Hope's a thing for me. <laughs> Mitch, edit this out. <laughs> <clears throat> hey, everyone. It's Mitch, the editor. Uh, no. All right. Enjoy the show. All right. We are all very excited to have such a high ranking political official on this vessel with so much real world importance. And this vessel, of course, is captained by none other than the incredible Serial Hawk, played by the incomparable Alex Koza. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Very excited to be here. Very excited to have you. Whoop, whoop. Yes, so I play our captain, Captain Surreal Hawk. She is the captain of the Scarlet Wren, which is going to be our vessel that holds our entire party as we travel on this journey. She is a smuggler extraordinaire, you know? She has been all over the world. She doesn't necessarily always do right, but she tries her best to do something good. Yeah. Yeah. And she really wants to work on equality and really figuring out why the power struggle is so drastic all over mm. this world. Mm. But she does have a best friend slash engineer. Of who course. Honestly, <laughs> honestly is the one who takes care of the ship. She doesn't do squat. So my, our, our wonderful. Honestly, <laughs> it sounds like also takes care of Surrey most of the time, frankly. Pretty much. Uh, my, my amazing engineer. Our absolute prodigy with machinery travis evans played by the one the only tyler lynch tyler thanks for being on the show buddy what's up happy ah! to be here I'm, I'm flexing i'm flexing right now you know just for all the people who can't see oh he's no. so buff like you don't even know he's so buff you guys hello everyone Yes, I'm, I'm, my name's Tyler. I'll be uh, playing the uh, gear man, which is slang for engineer in this world. Travis Evans, who is the gear man for the Scarlet Wren, the best smuggling ship in this world, baby. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really good at what I do. I fix the ship and sometimes I, you know, help fix other things. Like hearts. Like hearts. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Tyler. Thanks for being on the show. And everybody is on the Scarlet Wren heading for a very important meeting with the mysterious, capable, smoldering Sunhawk, the informant, <laughs> the information broker, played by one of the best human beings I know, Megan Denning. Megan, thanks you for being on the show. I think you've set me up far too high. The, stand, the bar is so high. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Megan. I am playing, as Chris said, a character named Sunhawk, or as you all shall know her. <gasps> She's a bit of a mysterious figure, sort of an information broker for various seedy underbelly sort of goings on. However, mm. definitely someone with good intentions, noble goals. She's got a bit of a dark past, mysterious past. So I'm excited to see where this goes. 
I'm also excited. I think everyone at the table's excited. I'm, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. All right. So for this season, this campaign, we are playing a game called Fabula Ultima. But before I go too deep into that, dear Tati, I saw you had your hand raised. What's up, girl? Yeah, I wanted to add something about my relationship with Cassandra because I do think it's important to point out. Oh, please. Yeah, that's yeah, important. I totally forgot to no, that's, yeah, we referenced that. I just realized that I mentioned that we know each other, but I didn't mention how. And I do feel like it's relevant. Yes, me and Cassandra went to basically religion camp together. Uh, might as well call it Bible camp. That's basically what it was, but obviously not for the Bible, for her religion. And as my family is very close with the church, they sent me and forced me there against my own will. Uh, you will learn that I do not have a good relationship with my family. I'm the only child they have. So they put a lot of pressure on me to take over, but I disagree with everything that they stand for. So Cassandra was my original camp buddy who I used to vent to about how awful my parents were. And I can only imagine what she was thinking that whole time coming from the privilege <laughs> that I do. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she is equally, if not more privileged. <laughs> True. Also, I have a complicated relationship with my own family, but you're like my first friend, so... Exactly. I just yes. listen to anything that you say. <laughs> we go way back. And it's a friendship that doesn't make sense on paper, but is... Unique and special. It makes sense in practice. It makes sense in our hearts. (laughs) All right, that's too much even for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. All important information. So this season, this campaign, we are playing Fabula Ultima. I am very excited about this. Fabula Ultima is an upcoming game from Rooster Games that is explicitly designed from the ground up to facilitate the play of JRPGs, which, as I mentioned, is exactly the tone we are going for. Finding Fabula Ultima was actually what inspired me to start working on the setting and to gather this motley crew of players to tell the story for you. The core mechanic is there are four stats Each of those stats has a die value, and depending on the action, you combine two of those stats and then roll those dice, depending on the situation. So those stats are might, dexterity, willpower, and insight. So for example, if I'm running on rooftops and I want to make sure I don't fall, I might have a player roll a might and dexterity check. Dexterity to make sure I don't fall, might for the physical attribute to continue running. Another important aspect of Fabula Ultima is that it takes the idea of uh, friendship as power to a mechanical extent. There are situations where by having a bond with uh, an entity in the story, it could be a PC, it could be an NPC, it could be a faction, any of that stuff, you are able to, based on the strength of your bond or your the complexity of your relationship with it, are able to add a mechanical bonus by spending what's called a fabula point. So you spend a fabula point and you get a temporary bonus to one of your rolls. It's a bit more complicated than that, but going into this, that's the full extent of what you need to know. That'll carry you through basically everything that we do with this game. If you would like more information, we have the Patreon page for Rooster Games, so you can continue supporting this game until launch. And we will also include that in the credits afterwards for more information. So without any further ado, without any further comment, question, aside, or comedy, I present to you the first episode of this campaign. 
Serenel is a world of magic and wonder, of ruins and monsters, of faith and ancient oaths, of heroes and villains. It's a world of mystery, romance, and high adventure. It's a world that is just seeing the sunrise. The light streams across the horizon of West Coveland, plains beginning to make way for farmland and then industry and then smoke as we begin to see the largest city of the Republic of Coveland, Rendsburg, the clockwork city. The view is best enjoyed from a great height, and no one has a better appreciation for that this morning than the crew of the Scarlet Wren, an air sloop carrying our band of adventurers. Guided by the urging of a young prophet and the fear of an angry heiress, the adventurers on this ship are finally on the last leg of their journey. As they begin their approach, the unmistakable smell of soot and ash rises from the roofs of the cities, and the distant shouts of merchants opening up for market can be heard. On deck are Cassandra, Atlas, and at the helm is Captain Serial Hawk, so we're going to start there. All right, so it has been a couple of days, and you're finally near the end of your journey. The three of you are up and active, and I'm just going to take a step back. What are y'all doing? I'm going to say that I'm helming the ship, and I come up and ring the bell, or I scream out and I go, Attention! I need everybody on the deck now. And just wait. Cassandra snaps to attention. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm whelmed. I think there have been many a day where we've been snapped to attention for something that could have been an email, if you will. <laughs> so I, I think I'm like ready for like, because I know that we're basically there. So she's probably going to say something important, but not something I should probably not finish my coffee first for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the only two who were low deck were Travis and Gwen. So we're we're going to briefly cut to below deck. Do you guys snap to? Is this something where you're like, we should get up top for? I'm fixing a leaky pipe when banging on some things that need to be banged on, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, I hear it. The command happen. And I just started to let out a little sigh. And I'm like, that's just another day in the office. Huh? <laughs> I look over at Gwen and I go, you never really get used to this life. You ready to head up deck? Gwen is half asleep and only (laughs) got maybe two words of what he said. And I think the words she heard are sleep and get (laughs) something about getting sleep. So she just she did not sleep at all the prior night because she knew that we were close and she's really anxious and nervous about what she could possibly find out because she feels like every time she investigates further into the stuff her father does, it just gets worse. So she just had a sleepless night of nightmares and anxiety. So she just does the thing where you throw covers over your head and you just try to shut out the world. And she doesn't really care what the consequence might the consequence of it might be right now um, because she's just so tired. Um, uh, and she just sort of groans and says, like, I'll be up in a minute. You're free to do what you want. I'll uh, meet you up deck. And I uh, walk upstairs. And I call out, save me some coffee, please. That ain't on me. <laughs> so you make it up to the top of the deck. Atlas strikes me as the type of guy who would be making the morning coffee. Oh, you best believe. Atlas is making coffee at like 2 a.m. So anyways, y'all are up on deck. Atlas is pouring the coffee. 
it's you know it's it's another day in the core i suppose <laughs> but yeah you're coming up on the landing so i see that gwen is still not arrived and i go cassandra can you get your friend please cassandra just nods and kind of scurries downstairs <laughs> 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 to go wake her up and um just sort of tries very hesitantly to sort of poke at her and doesn't get like the great reaction of like her awakening softly and rolling over to get out of bed. It's more of just sort of a, you know, I just groan. Um, so I come out of bed, but I come out of bed like a zombie. <laughs> yeah. And I really begrudgingly follow you up the stairs because I know that at this point, yeah. if she sent you down, it's going to get really bad if <laughs> you keep putting it off. So <laughs> I follow you up. <laughs> while they're, while they're like, begrudgingly get walking up this up the stairs to the top deck i just sort of like tap on surrey's shoulder and i just say hey cap listen uh, go easy on them they're not quite aeronauts yet <laughs> and i just sort of fall back into my place in line and i just uh, you know wait and- so i just wanted to be known that i'm still drinking my coffee <laughs> they're not there why should i <laughs> I love it so much. Suri, go ahead. So I see them finally come up the stairs, looking, Gwen looking like a complete and utter zombie. And I clap my hands really loud to just kind of like shock her out of it. And I'm like, all right, here's the deal. We have things we need to discuss. We are landing soon. Here's the deal. We're meeting a friend. You better be on your best behavior. Her name is Sunhawk. That is all I know. And she is an informant. Second of all, we stay close together. If one of you runs off, it is not my fault. I am not in charge of you once you leave the ship. That is all. Cassandra nods. <laughs> I lean over to Travis and I say, she's not in control of me now. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. <laughs> I just sort of like pat you guys both on the back and I go, Aye, aye, Captain. And I like look at you guys and expect you guys to just respond. I'm kind of like, uh-huh. Like, say it now. Loud. Go ahead. Aye, aye, Captain. There you go. Aye, aye, aye Captain. Captain. <laughs> With a really sarcastic smile. That was very reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> so with those reluctant eye eyes, we're actually going to cut as the Scarlet Wren is coming into dock. The Wren is docking at one of the many ports, which in the world of Serenel translates to basically giant towers that have piers sticking out of them at different intervals. Scarlet Wren does get to park near the bottom, which is nice. Suri's definitely bribed a, a docking officer once or twice. Y'all are getting ready to leave the ship for equipment purposes i'm just gonna ask what's your kit what are you bringing with you off the ship so i always have like a couple things with me i have like a pair of glasses that are like bifocal lenses so like there's like one that are magnifying glasses but they're also just kind of normal reading glasses i have a notebook i have a couple notebooks one of which is like a personal like moleskin that can like fit my pocket and the other one's in my bag and it's like some notes about a recent travel that I went on, something that I can look at and reference whenever I need to like prove that I'm that I do what I do to some people. But aside from that, you know, I have my whip at my side. I always keep that thing on me and uh, the bag of black sand. 
uh, I use for my symbols. Nice. Very nice. Gwen, how about yourself? I have on a necklace that I never take off and my iron gauntlet. I call it a gauntlet. It's more of like a knuckle, like an iron knuckle, but it sort of resembles a gauntlet because it covers my whole hand. Right now it's in its dormant mode of, of not attacking and no magic. So right now it just sort of looks like a like an edgy, angsty, fingerless glove. <laughs> 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 so that's that's the vibe right now. But other than those two things, and obviously my regular sort of travel renaissance looking outfit that definitely looks like I have money, but I'm trying to hide the fact that I do. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Those are the only things I, I really need to do my thing. Nice. All right. Cassandra, as a woman of the cloth, <laughs> I guess. Well, I should ask you this. Are you are you incognito at all? Are you trying to hide the fact right now that the speaker is out of the holy city? Yes, definitely. <laughs> She's used to being greeted in a quite different way. She has her staff sort of hidden in her cloak as well. That's that's what she's got. I love the I love the visual of Cassandra's kind of bad at hiding the staff because she's like, I don't know how to hold this. So it just looks like there's like yeah, there's just weird humps in the cloak sometimes as she's walking like it's really obvious. Yeah, she's not the best at going incognito. (laughs) Having never done it before. Yeah, well, eh, hopefully she'll get better at it. (laughs) Uh, Travis, what are you taking off the ship with you? Yeah, so I, I, before, right before landing, you know, I just, I just get out of like my sort of my engineer's like smock and apron. I put sort of my tools aside because, you know, I'm not going to be fixing anything. We're going to town. We're meeting a friend, you know, a business partner. Come on. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a more casual outfit. I would say like sort of open tied shirt, like rolled sleeves. Always carry my bandana, my goggles around just in case. Not like, you know, not only do I just like the way they look, but also if I have to hide my appearance, if I'm like, oh, you know, I might be recognized. You know, I can easily. You are a wanted man after all. Yes, I am. (laughs) And I always just carry a little pistol, you know, on my hip and maybe a boot knife. Yeah, just in case if things get a little hairy. I can respect that. I can respect that. And Captain Hawk, what's your ensemble? Well, she is in one of those like sleeves, sleeveless coats that billows in the wind. She's pretty badass. (laughs) She always has her rapier and her pistol on her, as well as her money bag that she never takes off of her body, even when she's sleeping, because you don't know who could come. Even if that means it's Travis, uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) it stays with her. And I don't, does the rent do have, have keys? That's a really great question that I should know. Do airships have keys? They don't have keys. However, they do have basically they respond to a specific type of magical charge. So the only people who can who can like activate the engines of it are either you or Travis. Great. So then we don't need keys. That's all she brings out. She goes very simple. And she also does bring kind of like a scarf around just in case she's got to quickly be kind of like, but very nice. Yeah. All right. So our adventurers are making their way down the gangplank of the Scarlet Wren. We're actually going to cut from there and we are going to cut to the office of one very cool information broker, Sunhawk. Uh, Sunhawk, what are you wearing today and what's your office look like? So the office would be like, imagine the opposite of what a professional's office would look like. There's just like <laughs> tchotchkes everywhere. <laughs> There's papers everywhere. There's like five different coffee mugs that are all like empty, but still laying around. 
there's like a bunch of chairs for clients to come in, but they're just, they have their stuff on them. Like, it's just, it's a mess. <laughs> there's like an organized chaos, though, I think. As far as what she's wearing, she wears kind of like a long black kind of coat, a little bit more stylish than like your average trench coat, you mm. know, but that's kind of the vibe. Yeah. Mostly a black ensemble. Very, very kind of trying to be low key. She's got black hair, black short hair, kind of Selena Kyle-esque, if you will, and that sort of uh, thing. Yes. In, in the corner of her office, she's got these two Eskrima sticks kind of just sitting there for weapons. Yeah, very nice. So these people are going to be showing up for your for this meeting. How do you feel about this? Are you, you for you? It's pretty run of the mill. So is this like early in your days? Is the only thing on your calendar? I think she. Uh, so knowing both Captain Hawk and Travis to a degree, I think she's like she's not like uncomfortable with it. She's like, oh yeah, these guys. I know these guys. However, she also knows. I would say Captain Hawk's probably told her this is kind of a this is a big mission kind of thing. So she's a little curious, like curiosity's peak. She's like kind of waiting, but she's not like. Yeah, fair enough. All right. A knock comes to your door and before waiting for a response, the door opens and uh, it's your father. It's your father, Reginald. She was immediately prepared for the knock to be like the clients. And so she stands up and she's like, dad, I, dad. What are you doing here? I have an appointment in life now. <laughs> Look, honey, I'm sorry. I'm just coming because I needed to talk to you about, you know, it's your dad's birthday coming <laughs> up. And you said that you were supposed <laughs> to be coming over this weekend. And I wanted to ask what cake you were bringing. Dad. Are you bringing coffee or fruitcake? Dad, this is a business hours. And she like points to the front of her office where it's like printed on the window. She's like, this couldn't wait till after. <laughs> well, I was in the neighborhood. I figured I'd just roll by and say hello. Excuse me for taking an interest in my daughter. Okay. All right. Dad, fruitcake. Fruit, I'll bring the fruitcake. Okay. I'll bring the fruitcake. That's what I'll bring. What time will you be over? Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, please, please. I will come over tonight. I will come over. That's night. No, can't probably get to tonight. I'll come over tomorrow <laughs> night and we will talk about it. Okay. I promise. <laughs> but you have to go now. <laughs> and, and for the record, your dad is huge. Like this dude is like maybe six foot eight. He's bald and he has a thick, <laughs> thick, thick, bushy mustache. <laughs> and a scar over his left eye. This dude is huge. He leans over and he kisses you on the top of your head. And he just goes, your father and I love you very much. We'll see you tomorrow. And then he just leaves the office. <laughs> Can he like knock over a few bunches, like the papers that are already precariously stacked? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, like he's just so huge. Like as he's going, his elbow inadvertently like knocks some books off shelves. And he's just like, are you sure you don't want me to call you a maid? It wouldn't be a problem at all. Your father and I would cover it. I don't understand why you're so proud. <laughs> We could get this place really looking nice for clients. We could talk about that tomorrow night, too. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, all right, all right, darling, I know you're busy. Kisses. Okay, all right. <laughs> I love that defeat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. He comes up, you know, your, your office is kind of like one of those ones you have to go down the stairs on when you're walking by it on the street. So it's it's a lower level. Correct. Yeah. And so y'all are about to walk in the door when this man comes up the stairs and like definitely almost collides with you. <laughs> and he's just like, 
You mind watching your step? And then just keeps going. I love this town. We're all adults here. <laughs> no kids here. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> all right. So you enter into the Sunhawk's lair. So I want to fling open the door and go, hey, who was that? He's massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I see, I see Captain Hawk and I stand up. And I'm like, hey, um, <clears throat> uh, Captain, c- come in. Come in. Don't worry about don't worry about that guy. Not important. Good to see you too, Sunhawk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so then after they come in, you see this motley assortment of man who clearly looks like he should be either in an archaeological dig site or a library. Girl who is clearly extremely rich, but is trying not to look rich. But you can totally tell she's rich because she's not dirty enough to be poor. And shambling mass of blue cloak with a weird stick pointing out near the top sometimes. <laughs> and they're in your office now. <laughs> and so she's just like, you brought some friends. I look around the room and I'm like, I see you cleaned up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, touche. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly am I doing for you today? Um, I want Suri to, like, take a chair and just dump it. Just, like, dump it and go, I hope that's all right. And sit down and go, <laughs> really? I'm going to leave it up to Gwen. And just waits. Hey, I'm Gwen. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, it was actually because of Cassandra's vision that we decided to come find you. So, Cassandra, maybe you can explain a little bit about what you saw and how we came here, because I'm honestly still a little unclear on a couple of the details. Sunhawk just sits down like behind her desk and she like gives she gives Cassandra a strange look and she's like a vision. So Cassandra sort of keeps her cloak up, but drops the, the face shield part of it and just says, I am the dictatorian of the teacher and I had a vision of the moon. No stars in the sky and the sun crossing in front of it, and then a hawk flies across the sun, and it's clutching an old leather journal with a sun engraved on it, and it was a vision from the teacher, and I had to follow it here to see you, Sunhawk. Do you, do you get it? The sun and the hawk... <laughs> With the journal, with the sun on it, and your name is Sunhawk. Uh, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I know it seems difficult to believe, but just hear her out. I promise, it's very interesting. Yeah, and she she looks a little like dubious still, but there's something that has caught her attention, and so she's like, "All right, so let's say let's say this vision of yours led you to me. What is it you want?" She looks at both of you. Information. <laughs> Answers. <laughs> yes, I think that part is clear. <laughs> Answers, but specifically too, you see, I found a letter in my father's office. You might know my father. His name is Simon Godwin. And I was in his office snooping through his documents as I usually do. And I found a letter that he had written to someone um, someone by the name H.M. I'm not sure 
who it stands for, but he also mentioned someone called CD, um, something about providing Gaiasite for arms and armor and about the emperor shipment being on time. And it was also confusing, but I don't know what's happening, but I do know that it's very suspicious. And I think that my father might be involved in some very criminal activity involving the emperor. And so I wanted to know if maybe you had a lead on who this CD and HM are that he speaks of. And she just goes, um, do you have the letter? I do. May I see it? Yes. And I pull it out of my little satchel and hand it over. So she, uh, she looks at it. She reads it over. She's like, mm-hmm. she kind of sets it like amongst the paperwork that's already on the table. It's like <laughs> very in danger of getting lost already. Uh, Atlas White immediately swoops in and grabs that. <laughs> Before it disappears into the abyss. <laughs> She goes, I don't quite know what these letters, who they might stand for. However, the only people that would be capable, I think, of moving that much Gaiasite would be, my best guess, the Pierce Iron and Sorcery Company. And lucky for you all, there's a gala being thrown tonight. So if we can get into... What's a gala? What? <laughs> Why would you throw it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll come back to that. If we can get into Pierce's personal office, we may find more answers about what this letter. And she looks for it. She's like, where did it go? I just have the letter and I'm like holding it, waving it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What the letter might mean. Yes, that would be amazing. Do you think you could get us into his office? Yes. Some of you. Anyway, I don't think I, sec- I can secure enough false invitations for, um, she like counts all of you. She's like, uh, 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 no. However, if I get a few of you in and you, and she points at Cassandra, <laughs> weird speaker lady, <laughs> then I think we may have enough of a distraction within the party for the rest of you to sneak in, investigate Pierce's office, get what you need and get out. But I take, um, she looks at, she looks at Captain Hawk. She's like, if that sounds like a plan, it's half payment up front. Oh, darling, I'm not paying this time. <laughs> looks at Gwen and goes, she'll handle it. I think maybe I can find enough money to cover it. <laughs> but first, maybe we should ask Cassandra if it's okay with her that we will be exposing her so much. Sure, I guess, but... I'm still confused on the whole throwing thing. (laughs) (laughs) Who's throwing what? (laughs) And why do I need to be exposed? I thought I was going incognito. That's why I've got this cloak, see? So people don't know who I am. Okay, fair enough. Do you know what a party is? Yes, we have those in Illuminaria. All right. This is a very special party with very important people. You, speaker, and she says that with like a dripping sense of disbelief. You, speaker, are also an important person and a very good distraction. All right. Well, I don't quite have the right attire. I wasn't sort of um, 
I was not expecting to be going to a party. So is there any place we can procure something that isn't a blue cloak? Shopping montage? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So I am going to consider this montage scene actually a rest scene. Now, rest scenes are an important mechanic. Rest scenes are one of the only ways that you can actually build bonds with people. Power of friendship and connection is actually a very important mechanic in Fabula Ultima. So if anybody has a scene they would like to have with uh, someone else as we're doing this montage of getting ready for this party, yeah, go ahead, uh, raise your hand and we can totally act that out. In the in the time of the party getting of getting ready for the party, I'm gonna find Gwen. I wanna uh, I wanna say like um hey Gwen, um so it's it's going it's going down. Things are really moving. I never expected I'd see you in the field so soon. Yes, me neither. I mean I never thought I'd get out of my out of my parents' house. So honestly just happy to be here. Well I know that, well, you know that I never truly think anyone's ready for anything, but it's just kind of how things are, but... You would be correct. I know that you are more than prepared to deal with anything that comes your way. Oh, that means a lot to me coming from you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, okay. I have something. Um, it's small, but I think it's something that... I think that you've just picked up on the art of symbology so much and so well that I wanted to give you something that I think would be... Beautiful and practical, and I take out a small box. It's a small wooden and carved box, and uh, I get down on one knee. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I open it, and it's a ring. I open it, it's a ring, and it's a beautiful gold ring, and it has a relatively big jewel on it, a little bit smaller than the size of, like, a pinky. I press it a little hard on the side and it opens up and there's a small reserve filled with black sand. Ooh. And uh, I say, if you're ever in a pinch, this is something that you can use to make a symbol on anyone, anything. And it's always worked well for me. So and I just thought that I thought that it would be nice for the party tonight. Wow. This is incredible. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much this means to me. I mean, you have been there for me since the beginning You have been just the greatest professor, instructor, and friend I could possibly hope for. So thank you so much. No, no, I don't do anything but just tell you what happened. You're the one who actually (laughs) makes things happen. Well, thank you for encouraging my habits as as dangerous as they can be. I appreciate the support. Yeah, I just uh, just smile, give her a hug, give her a hug. I um, unhook the necklace that I'm always wearing and I actually throw the ring on the necklace instead of putting it on my finger and I close it back up. Very nice. Congratulations. You both increase your bond by one. Yay. Hell yeah. Yay. Does anyone else have a scene they'd like to do? What I wanted to do, I don't know if we, if we want to do this a bit later, but essentially I wanted to pull um, Sunhawk and Surrey aside and just sort of lay out like a, a plan for how we plan to enter in what resistance we expect inside you know if we have like have you cased the place you know what's our point of entry you know all the logistics you know what i mean i know i know suri's kind of a a loose cannon captain so if she wants to do shopping i can talk shop with sonic hawk about the place i feel like that's fitting (laughs) (laughs) 
like, hey, that works for me. Cool. So, yeah, let's do that shopping scene. Uh, you are going through the bustling marketplace of the Clockwork City, one of the largest cities on the planet. And Cassandra, there are probably more people in front of you now than you've met in your entire life. And interestingly for you, none of them really notice you. None of them are really paying attention to you. And uh, that's how we're going to start the scene. It's strange. I'm used to talking to crowds, but I'm not used to being part of them. Mm. Welcome. Welcome to our life. It's very different to blend in and not stand out. But don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to get you a dress. I don't wear them, but we'll figure it out. Unfortunately, I got stuck with you in this situation, so we're going to figure it out together, okay? All right. So I'm, like, browsing, touching all the fabrics, like... (laughs) Uh, what's your favourite colour? Well, the Dictatorian always wears red, so I suppose I should wear red. No, what's what's your favourite colour? Like, you can have a different colour you want to wear. You don't have to wear red. Well... <laughs> Do you like green? I don't... <laughs> Purple? I think... Perhaps we should stick to the red since it's a public official, well, perhaps not official. Okay, here's the deal. What if we did red with another colour? Do you want to try that? I think we should let you try something new. Don't you think? All right. Well, if we have blue and red, then I can keep my cloak on. Oh, yeah, the cloak. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Yes, you know what? All right, well, damn it, we'll make it work. All right. So she's, like, touching all... She finds this red-looking dress, and she's like, do you like... Is this... I don't... What is your size? I don't quite know how to do this. I don't know. I've always had my robes and ceremonial outfits made for me. Oh, And the shopkeeper comes up to you and uh, he says, are you two in need of any help? I'm uh, always happy to assist in two fine young ladies looking for clearly some (laughs) only the highest quality dresses within Reslin, (laughs) within (laughs) the Clockwork City. Mm, Really? Hello. I am Cassandra Odin, and I am the dictatorian. No, 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 no. She grabs her, she like yanks her away. She's like, no, okay. And she like hurries her on. She's like, listen, listen, we don't tell them our names. We are here to get a dress. We don't say names. We don't listen to the people on the street. We only listen to each other. Why? because oh darling because you are the dictatorian she's the what (laughs) and the shopkeeper just (laughs) the shopkeeper looks at you oh my what that's why that's why this is awkward and she like hurry she just like army grabs her and kind of like runs off she's like, her up. She's and as she's running she grabs whatever red fabric she finds throws it takes a coin out of her bag chucks it in the shop and she's like, this is what you're gonna wear it's gonna be fine don't tell them your name we're just gonna figure this out as we go 
right. And you both, you both increase your bond by one. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend either a bond of loyalty or affection from that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to cut to Sunhawk and Travis. And you are there with her dad, Ernest. And you are uh, near the seamstresses shop. Gwen, I assume you're much more capable of dressing yourself. So I assume you were just like, yeah, I want this one. And then it wasn't much of an adventure for you. That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Ernest is the one who supplied the maps for you. And so he goes and he spreads out the floor plan. And there's a there's a small hovering lamp of crystal, Gaiasite, that's just casting a pale blue light over the rough paper that has been sketched out in charcoal. And Ernest just kind of leans in to your ear and Sunhawk and just says, are they going to be staying for dinner? I mean, it's fine if they want to stay for dinner. I just need to know because it's a lot of food. It's just a lot of people at the table, and I just need to know if they're staying. We're going to a gala, and we probably will be serving food there. So, Okay, but what time is the gala? Are you sure I don't need to bring anything? <laughs> Are you, okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. Thank you. <clears throat> all right, so... <laughs> Let's talk shop. And like, I like, I like sort of just like pat down like the pages and like, I just sort of like, I'm going over it and I'm like, you know, you guys are efficient. I like your style. That's always a pleasure, Sunhawk. And Ernest just kind of looks at you like, just kind of like, kind of like really trying hard to hold back a smile. Like, just like, Oh, look at my little girl. Oh, she's so efficient. Look, at she's impressing. He's not actually saying anything, but that's like on his face. Yeah. <laughs> She turns to Travis, having seen this on her father's face, and she's like, I just want you to know, I've been doing this for years, and he still acts like it's my first day on the job. <laughs> and she's like, Dad, please, can we go? We're in a time crunch here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. All right. So the house realistically has four floors on it. The fifth floor technically exists, but it's just two towers, God posts. What we're looking for, J.D. Pierce's office, is going to be on the fourth floor. I realize I just completely changed this character's accent, but that's because he's in business. Yeah, mode yeah, right yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ernest when he's waking. <laughs> there's there's dad mode and there's business mode, and they're very different. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So the only way to enter into the office is if you're going to be on the west wing of the building you need to be able to enter into the servant staircase do not under any circumstances take the elevator if you take the elevator there is going to be a very painful and then extremely fatal electric shock that will reduce you both to ash you must take the staircase Noted. So the office in which we are trying to gain access to, or is there any guards posted? Do we have to be aware of guard, our keepers and, or lawmen at the party? In terms of security, there should be a couple of folks from the exchange. PS is looking to introduce a little bit of muscle into his area. And frankly, there's no one better. I don't think there's any official representation from the exchange. Just a couple of hired muscle. Nothing too serious. Nothing. Well, Nothing Sunhawk couldn't handle. I don't know about you, sir, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just about to say nothing me and Suri haven't dealt with in the past, so. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I know we have our distractions for us to sort of have our entry point and get in, get out, right? As far as equipment goes, what if we were to expect any resistance, what do you think would be best to have on us? Anything that doesn't make a loud noise. Blades, some kind of punching. I don't know. Your, your associates seem to have some interesting gloves. I don't know. Those would work. <laughs> but... As I said, the fourth floor is where you're going to need to be going through. You will need to be dressed as a servant, and specifically, you will need to make sure that anybody going into the office is carrying one of the servant's official pocket watches. That is going to have an inscription that will allow you to cross through. I couldn't get your servant to tie you, so you are going to have to make someone unalive in order to take <laughs> their clothes. Dad, Dad, we don't have to kill them. We don't have to kill them. You don't have to kill them. We won't be killing them. We're not going to, we won't be killing anyone at the party. We don't need to. We can do this. I just sort of look at Songhawk and I'm like, I mean, I didn't necessarily have any objections to that, but that's all right. <laughs> um, great. Okay. So uh, I guess we'll, I guess that's something that we'll have to figure out when we get there, huh? How we procure the suits. Okay. Um, there is a servant's entrance. We'll just catch them going in and out. I'm sure they'll be bringing things into the party and then we can just slip right in. Specifically, you're going to be wanting to be looking after someone who's taking care of the carriages. You start back there, that will get you through the door. Then you're going to need to be dressed as some kind of waiter or waitress. Understood. Oh, God, I, I hate suits. I really do. But that's all right. That's that's just business, I guess. Right. Oh, is it because they don't fit? You know, we're really good friends with the seamstress. She's just, she's just, give me one second. Reggie! Reggie, they want to know about the suits! I'm sorry, sometimes he can't hear through the floor. No, I just, I, I just find them representative of something I don't want to be, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, not, just remain ungovernable. I can respect yeah. that. <laughs> All right, unless anyone else has something they want to do in this scene, I'm going to say y'all can increase your bond. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, me and Sunhawk didn't form a bond. I formed a bond with her father of hatred. <laughs> <laughs> with Ernest. Oh, my God. All right. So we cut to later that evening to the gala event, and there are actually not really a protest and not really a mob, but there are some angry people that are outside of a security barrier about this, just because there's a lot of influential people from all over Saranel that are coming here. The gala itself is specifically kind of a launch show of a new line of golems that the Pierce Iron and Sorcery Company is producing. As a reminder, golems are basically Magitech robots. They can be programmed to do minor tasks and can do it repeatedly and dependably. It is being held at J.D. Pierce III's mansion, and this is in really poor taste, and everyone there kind of knows it. Him inviting everyone is just kind of a flex, and it's one of those things where, like, yeah, we'll show up for appearances, but it's not great. Atlas, Gwen, Cassandra, you're showing up at the front. And I have to tell you, Cassandra, in my brain, because it was grabbed at random, and of course the seamstress was able to help make it fit for you. In my head, it's just Aerith's dress, 
from the seven remake like that's what you're dressed in in God. my head <laughs> just something to that effect <laughs> do you think that's close to the mark yeah it's probably you know like you go to like 1800s prom dress <laughs> you know like go to dillard's and <laughs> gwen what does your dress look like so i definitely picked it like you said before super quickly and I went to the section that was the most expensive <laughs> immediately. You know how like some people, they go straight to clearance, like when they get somewhere, like she yeah. did the opposite, right? <laughs> she went right to the stuff that she knows is the most expensive. And she has an eye for it, obviously, because she has been buying stuff like that since she was a kid. And uh, even though she's trying not to be, you know, the the snobby, rich, privileged kid, she just can't help herself. She likes nice things. So <laughs> <laughs> look, once you go bougie, it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back, right? <laughs> so she finds a dress that it's not I don't want to say it looks royal. It's, it's definitely not royal, but it definitely has way too much like frilly lace on it. Like it definitely looks preppy right like it goes up to like the neck and has like little like ruffle frills that mm. are like lacy up to the top and mm-hmm. it's it's not like a big poofy sort of like cinderella type dress it's like quite the opposite actually it's kind of boxy like it just goes straight down um and it just called to her because i feel like that's how she feels sometimes just like nice. a box yeah. and what, <laughs> what what color is it it is actually a like deep red like uh, not red like Cassandra's, mm. but more of like a burgundy-ish like brown color, like really, really dark. OK, which looks really different, like with her blue her like almost periwinkle blue hair. Sure. <laughs> makes it stand out even more, more attention to herself. But hey, but to be fair, you two are meant to be a distraction. So I think that might work in your favor. Yeah, with my red hair and your blue hair. Um. <laughs> right. And she's planning on sticking with her like the whole night out of just protectiveness of making sure that like no one tries any funny stuff. Nice. Very nice. Atlas, what are you, what are your threads, buddy? So yeah, when I was out, I, um, I picked up a nice suit. So the coat I have from my uh, archaeologist buddies is like a blue and gold coat, basically a nice suit, gold accents. And, uh, when I get back to my stuff, I take out a couple, um, uh, like a small box of jewelry that I have that's personal. I put on a couple really nice rings. I changed my nail polish from the light blue that I usually wear on the daily to crimson. Yeah. Just have like that different thing when you look down at my hands. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that Scarlet Wren and you're all red, like you're you're sporting your team colors, so to speak. I love it so much. All right. So we are actually going to start with our team of break and ne'er-do-wells. Cue Mission Impossible music. (laughs) (laughs) So the way you guys are doing this is there's kind of a enclosed wall, right? And it's got it's got hand and footholds because there's like creeping ivy. But I want you to know that, like, it's only barely maintained. J.D. Pierce is a man who just kind of sucks in every possible way. Like the way the way I've described him and we'll get more into this, but I want you to imagine the reputation of this guy that you have heard is he is a man of indulgence and he's just kind of like a gross lech. And like the way I the way I have him written down in my notes is literally Elon Musk meets Jabba the Hutt. But here's my question. Am I with am I breaking in with the party or am I the lookout? Did they assign me lookout duties or 
I don't think we have a lookout. I assumed we, you know, you, you, after your, your, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, after your shopping, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I assume after your shopping, you know, me and Sunhawk just like went over, you know, the ground plans and like, we were like, okay. So I assume, I assume you're going to be with us on the servants. I mean, you're, it's, it's your call. Like, what do you want to do? Well, didn't they say that they, you got, they could only be two people or was that only for the people who were coming into the ball? That there, it's only they can only get two official invitations. Great, then I will be sneaking in because Serial does not do a uh, watch party. <laughs> well, here's the thing: Serial can be a lookout. It's just she needs to be able to scream when she sees something. Mm-hmm. That's, I feel like that's the caveat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I have a question about the invitations. Mm. Are they aliases? Are they like random people's names, or is it like forged as? You're going as yourselves. Yeah, the latter. You're going as yourselves. Cool. You're at the back wall. It's near the stables. It's covered in ivy. The wall's kind of falling apart. Like, it's one of those things where, like, the moment it gets to the point where someone, like, maybe wouldn't notice, the quality of care plummets. And there are fortunately hand and footholds that allow you guys to go over. So you do successfully make it over into the shadows. You are successfully on the property now. So it's yellow alert for y'all. And now I am going to introduce our first clock. So for those of you listening at home and are unaware of what a clock is in regards to RPG mechanics, a clock is basically an abstraction of showing whether or not things are going well. So for our purposes, the clock, if it gets full, it means that our heroes have been discovered. However, there are ways, once the clock has some segments full, there are ways you can remove those segments where you can make the clock less full. So for example, that could be silencing a guard or cutting through a alarm bell so that it doesn't ring, things like that. Yeah, so you have successfully made it through. It's about 9 p.m. The sun has set and there are a lot of people milling about. Uh, What do you want to do? Well, we have to procure suits, don't we? Mm Mm-hmm. So Sunhawk... I know you said that you didn't necessarily want to kill anybody. So what is your alternative? And I look at you with sort of a quizzical gaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, all right, just uh, just follow my lead. Can I assume there's at least a few people nearby we can kind of attempt to sneak up on? Oh, certainly. Okay. Uh, my goal is to sneak up behind one of these servants and just do the whole like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And then drag him behind a wall. I think I can help with that. I also can, yes. (laughs) What I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to initially distract him. How many? We need three suits. Three suits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when hopefully a group of guys (laughs) will pass (laughs) pass through. This is how I'm picturing it in my head. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll walk up to them and I'll say some BS, right? And then you guys, and then we can all like sort of go in together, right? Left, right, middle. Grab them. Amazing. For the record, it is not uncommon in Saranel for women to wear suits. So, like, it's either or. So, Surrey, you being seen in a suit, and Sunhawk, you being seen in a suit, will not raise any eyebrows. A group of goons walks up. Travis, what do you say to them? So, I just sort of like, hey, hey, guys, where are you going? I, I just need a word for a second. 
I'm going to have you roll for this. <laughs> I'm going to have you roll. That's fine. This is willpower plus willpower. You're just trying to get their attention. Yeah, literally that. I just need them to look at me. Like yeah. that's literally. <laughs> so just make a willpower plus willpower check for me, please. And while he's doing that, Suri in the back is just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you do successfully get their attention. Uh, they look over and they're like, huh, what? And I'm like, now would be a great time for me. So, so the Sunhawk and I sprint forward. I'm assuming both of us grab one and Travis just like books it towards the other. Yeah. I guess like I'm going to go for the guy that I'm closest to and I'm going to attempt to like trip him and like pin him by the throat. <laughs> I love it. All of you, please make a dexterity plus might check. I got a 10. I got a six. Six. Here's what happens. Suri, you are just kind of scarily efficient at this. Like you go and like this uh, in my head, I think you have your sword still in its scabbard and you like used that to help you knock this guy unconscious and like shockingly strong knock this dude out. Travis, while you were running, basically what winds up happening is while you were running, you do get this guy, but you were a little late with getting his throat. So he does get a chance to be like a, hey, what the? And then you grab him, right? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Sunhawk, something similar happened because when Travis tackled this dude, that dude, as he was falling, his arm hit you in the face. And so it cost you a few precious seconds to knock this guy out. So you succeed, but I am going to add one rank on the clock. We don't have to go into detail of you uh, stripping these men of their clothes and possessions. We're just going to gloss over that and say you're all hooked up. <laughs> so we are now going to cut to the ballroom. Gwen, Cassandra, Atlas, you guys pull up in a coach. Uh, you call Gwen called like a nice coach company. Those exist. It's like a taxi. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if those actually existed in real life, but they exist in Saranel. They did exist, yes. Okay, great. So yeah, you guys pull up in a coach, and it's right before you hop out. You're done up to the nines. Ernie and Reggie helped you guys do their do your makeup. Spectacular work. <laughs> Thank God. Lord knows I can't do my own smoky eye. <laughs> <laughs> so the doors are about to open. I look to Gwen and I say, do you have a cigarette? Hi. Uh, yeah. Uh, hold on, let me find one. Oh, yeah, here you go. <laughs> And like, I, like I'm standing outside of the coach smoking the cigarette and I'm looking at Cassandra and I say, I, you know, I talk to a lot of big, rich, important people, but I never really got the hang of it. How do you get, how do you do it so, uh, so well? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just kind of nod and go, I can dig it. <laughs> finish the cigarette. I think maybe I'll take the lead on this one. <laughs> it's typically when I give speeches, they've been written for me and prepared. And other than that, it's just the teachers and it's just the professors and me. I don't interact much with the general population. My father and the professors like to keep me separated. Just be careful when you're talking to people because you know how they get around you. So if anything ever feels a little bit off, just let me know and I will try my best to talk 
your way out of it. <laughs> so just let me know and please just be careful because you know that these people just go insane when they find out who you are and I think it's too late. I think at this point probably the whole party knows that you are showing up. So try to lay low in a way that, you know, is dignified. <laughs> right. I'll try. You pull up, the door opens. Atlas, I assume you help the ladies out of the carriage. Oh, of course. Yes. Before the car pulls out, I look to uh, my dad's and uh, I say, how's my tie looking? And Ernie is just like, it looks great. And just like, shut up. It looks terrible. And he gets <laughs> off of the carriage and he straightens her tie and is just like, he couldn't see in the light. It's fine. His, his eyes are going. And he's just like, yeah, but my ears work fine. <laughs> and then it's just, it's just oh, we got to go. You look great, sweetie. Have fun. Let Thank us know. <laughs> you look great. Just remember. And he gave everybody has, I should have said this. Everybody has a one use item. It's a piece of Gaia site where you channel just a tiny bit of energy into it. It will immediately shatter. And then all of the other Gaia site, everybody else's will grow really warm and it'll start to vibrate. It's basically the red alert crystal and Ernie and Reggie have one too. So if anything goes wrong, they will know and they can come. By one time you use, you mean once per, per session or uh, in general? You use this once and then never again. Like it is a one use item. Well, wow, okay. It's like a party popper, right? Except instead of instead of you know for a gender reveal party, it's for getting the hell out of a heist. Okay, so he's just like he like taps your lapel where he knows it is. Don't worry, we're right here if you need us. You try and have a good time, okay? Does Bravo Team, as in us, have those as well, or no? Yes, everybody on the mission has this. Okay. Oh, man, we didn't establish code names. For the Blue Angels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Atlas, you were going to say something? No, like, I just want to, um, I want to, like, take a quick look around, like, the people. Because you said the doors still haven't opened, right? Mm hmm I just want to get, like, a general vibe of, like, who else is standing around the door right now. Go ahead and roll Insight plus Willpower for me. It's a four and a six, so it's a ten. So you, yeah, you get a pretty good read. You know, you you have a pretty good understanding of the wealthy of the empire simply because, you know, you you hang around the Godwin Manor, right? So you're, you're pretty used to seeing people in the industry of Magitech in one capacity or another. And there's a couple of bigwigs here. There's a couple of corporate executives. But one thing that is of interest to you is there is actual Yadrarian nobility which is pretty interesting because the Empire and the Republic are not friends like at all. And so they are at this gala. And to be fair, the Iron and Sorcery Company does deal with everybody on the planet. Everybody has bought something from them at some point. They do a lot of business with the Godwin Corporation in terms of making things all working. There are definitely Iron and Pierce equipment on board the Hawk. Excuse me, the Wren. It's a big corporation, but there are a lot of nobles here. So the Udrarians would probably recognize me. Like, there's no, there's no way I'm going to fly under the radar tonight, probably. No, not at all. They will, you will be recognized. All right, that's fine. Time to be diplomatic. <laughs> cool. Now, however, now it is going to get back to your dad, for sure. Right. Yeah, that part. So mm -hmm. do keep that in mind. Our dads are going to be so mad at us. <laughs> 
oh my god we went to prom without asking our dads <laughs> basically <laughs> all right so yeah you you come up the gangway and it's lovely it's really lovely there's a lot of natural trees on the estate there's a lot of floating gaia site lamps that are sending out the general it's just like a warm yellow light that they're kind of sending out there's, you know, the quiet milling about of people, the quiet, you know, talking of like polite conversation going on. And as you two begin approaching the door, that chatter begins to quiet and then die. And all eyes are on you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and with that in mind, I am actually going to uh, remove one segment from the clock. I look to you guys and I say, don't worry, I got this. I say, uh... Yeah, you, 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 that's right. It's me, Atlas White. <laughs> Add one to the clock, please. <laughs> oh, man. And I am, um, and, uh, we, ooh, shit. <laughs> like, I'm actually starting to, like, think about, like, what it is I'm trying to, like... I have anxiety right now. Right? <laughs> Just thinking of everyone staring at us. <laughs> so what I want to basically say is, hey, yes, but we're here to just enjoy this good time, so let's just chill. That's what I want to say. But Atlas White would probably say it along the lines of, hey, <laughs> I understand all of you are probably very surprised at the company that you find yourself in. But don't forget, the Scala is just to enjoy yourselves and have a good time. So please, for the voice of the teacher, let's have a good night. Make willpower plus willpower check for me. Let's <laughs> see how well this works. I don't know. <laughs> I can only imagine, like, Cassandra and Gwen behind him, like, oh. <laughs> We're just letting him squirm. <laughs> you have a nine. Yeah. You have a nine? Okay. So it's not terrible. So you, so what happens is most of them are just kind of like, they recognize that it's crowd control is basically yeah. what it comes down to. Like they recognize that like, okay, yeah, all right. He's just trying to smooth things over for these women. And like conversation kind of starts, but you're still very much the center of attention. I look to, to, my, to my company mm -hmm. and kind of semi under my breath, uh, just kind of let them know. I always knew you'd pull eyes on you. <laughs> Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to cut to Bravo. Uh, <laughs> and Cassandra does. <laughs> uh, so we're going to cut to Team Bravo. So you are now officially dressed as staff. However, you are officially dressed as like you know, you're taking care of, you know, the elk that would normally be in the stables and stuff. Oh, I forgot to say that. Yeah, we don't have horses in Serenel. Anything that a horse would do, we use elk for instead. And the clothes kind of smell like elk. Not great. So you're going to need to find. And most importantly, they don't have the pocket watches on them. So you are going to have to find articles of clothing that will allow you to enter into the office. However, you do successfully enter into the first floor of the home with no problems. Ain't nothing like petty crime to remind you of your youth, huh? Asuriel <laughs> just is standing there. She's like grabbing at her clothes. She's like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I have ever worn. We need to do this quickly. 
because I'm irritated. Yeah, I hate suits too. <laughs> <laughs> and Sunhawk is kind of like ignoring both of them, complaining about their suits, and she's scanning the room, and she's like, we're in the main, the first floor, kind of a main main area, you said? Mm-hmm. So she's kind of looking around for um, what her father's had said about uh, service, service staff, uh, waiters. I'm going to say she kind of spots a few scattered around the room, and she's like, all right, all right, here's the plan. This time, we're going to split up. We're going to take each side of the room. We're going to guide these people out of the room. And there's like, I'm, I'm guessing there's some kind of hallways going this way and that way that we can kind of like... Oh, certainly, yeah. You guys can kind of maneuver around. So we're going to move maneuvers from these people around. We're going to get their outfits, or at least those pocket watches. And then let's rendezvous and find our way to the fourth floor through that staircase. Sound good? Yes. Sounds good. I want to take the left side of the room. All right. I break off in the other direction. I go anywhere that there's still people. <laughs> I'll say you take the north end, right? Okay, so I need all of you to make a dexterity plus willpower roll. This is to walk around to look like you belong here, basically. I got 19. <laughs> That's why she's the captain. <laughs> <laughs> I see these results. Travis, what did you roll, darling? I rolled a five. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Look, man, I'm, I don't do well in suits, okay? I said this like three times. Sunhawk, what did you roll? Fifteen. <laughs> All right. Hey, Travis, if you would like, you may spend a fabula point and invoke either a trait or part of your identity to re-roll. I think it's appropriate I don't fucking... Oh, sorry, you know what, that I, is fair. I, I think it's appropriate that I don't necessarily, like, fit in. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> if he doesn't get pocket watch, it doesn't matter. Only, one, only like, one of us needs to get into the office anyway, right? True. But this is not for acquiring the pocket watch. This is for not drawing attention while you're getting the pocket watch. Okay. Understood. Let's see what happens. So basically what winds up happening... Basically, someone comes up to you and is just like, what are you doing? Why are you back at the stables? Oh, uh, uh, you, you, you were going to the stables too. So it's, look, it's my, it's my first day. I, you know, it's been, it's been a doozy to say the least. Yeah, no, I understand. It's really busy, but, uh, get out of here and go to the stables. You're tracking hay through the hall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, hey, right. I was just in the stables, right? I um, and then I just like I just sort of nod my head and I, I like I like look at I like shoot looks to to Surreal and to Sunhawk and I'm like, what the hell do I do right now? <laughs> so I am gonna mark the clock because that was sus. And I have officially dated the episode. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> Can we assist him at all? Can we try? Yeah, go. I mean, you can try. Absolutely. Can I walk up to the whoever's talking to him and be like, please, please. Come, wait, can you come with me real quick? I need your help. Please. I need your help. Just like no explanation. Just like kind of grab his arm. <laughs> like, please, please, please. Um, yeah. Yes. I, you know, and I look at the guy and I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> duty calls. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of like, Ugh, and then he goes to the kitchens. Sunhawk, sir, you both have successfully grabbed pocket watches. Yeah, yeah. Don't we need the outfits too? Yes, but you have the pocket watches for sure. So here's the thing. You have two options now. You can do the Hitman route or you can do the Metal Gear Solid route. Both are good options. Understood. Okay. 
we at least have the pocket watches. So how about as that guy, that third guy, kind of, we like scared him off the kitchens. Can we give that nicked one over to uh, Travis? Can he have one too? Roll for that. I, I, here's the, I want you to roll for that to pick that guy's pocket. That's just going to be dexterity twice. Oh, I could do this. I believe in myself. Is it possible that I just asked for the pocket watch and they were like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, look, man, you could kill me at this point and I wouldn't care. Whatever. Eat the rich. <laughs> like, they just were like, she, she's supposed to be here. Here's her pocket. Just like gave it to me. I got 13. You successfully lift the pocket watch off the guy's back. Can I just kind of like give Travis a look that's like, dude, this is the second strike and just like drop it in his hand. <laughs> like, I, like, I understood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you now have the pocket watches. Do you want to try getting outfits or do you want to try your luck and head upstairs? I say we just kind of try and get out of here as quickly as we can. So maybe just sneak. I think we got to be sneaky. All right, I'm going to need y'all, everybody, to make a dexterity plus insight check. I rolled a 15. Nice. See, See, look, it was just the the circumstance. (laughs) I'm a gear man. I'm not a servant. Come on. I got 14. Excellent. Watch me mess up now. As we're running away before we even get to her, I want to like pat Travis on the back and be like, you tried. You really did. It's all right. It's, It's a suit. It's a suit. What can I say? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Sunhawk, what did you roll? 11. Yeah, you guys are great. You successfully make it through. You're sneaking up. You successfully make it to the second floor. And we're going to cut back to uh, Alpha Team. And so we're going to cut back where it's actually where you are being presented to the party. And so it's just Guinevere Godwin and Cassandra Odin. And just everybody like... <laughs> Just looking at you, and then it's like... Cassandra's just going to lean over and just whisper in the presenter's ear, just say, and Atlas White. (laughs) And he just kind of (laughs) looks at you, (laughs) and then he's just in his thought. You can kind of see on his face, he just goes, I mean, she is the speaker. (laughs) And he he just goes, and Mr. Atlas White... I just sort of nods and smiles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of taken aback. I'm shaking. Like, oh shit! I was joking earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you enter. You see that there is a man who kind of like beelines his way over to you. He has curly blonde hair that is styled well for the time. You can see that he's just kind of used to just like look. He's he's conventionally attractive, so he's not used to putting much work into looking well. He has green eyes that are the color of old dollar bills, and he has a scar from his nose to his right ear. He smiles and uh, he bows to both of you, and he just says. So pleasant to see true nobility here among us. Truly the greatest of our time, speaker. And just kind of bows. And of course, Guinevere Godwin, I do a great deal of business with your father. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Duke Henry Magison of His Majesty's Imperial Court. 
I just sort of threw a, a really painful cordial grin on my face mm. to sort of just say, um, it's an always an honor to meet my father's business associates. Are you the host of this um, occasion? He smiles in a very patronizing way, and he's just like, no, that would be the uh, illustrious Mr. Pierce. He is currently indisposed in his office as we speak, but I'm sure he'll be joining the party shortly. I say, oh, uh, why is he all holed up in his office if he's uh, hosting this party? Shouldn't he uh, be with, uh, with all us lay people? He does not take kindly to that. <laughs> he looks at you and uh, all the joy is out of his face. And you see he looks at you with just utter disdain. Like he can tell you don't belong here, but it's mostly the fact that you refer to him as a lay person. Mm-hmm. And he looks at you and he just says... I wouldn't pretend to know the mind of our host. Excuse me. And he gives a stiff bow and then just leaves. And almost immediately after that, Gwen, you begin to feel a really weird sensation on the back of your neck. It feels like someone is digging their fingernail into the back of your neck. And while they're doing it, for some reason, your neck is going numb. And considering the fact that both Atlas and Cassandra are both mages, all three of you can feel the magic. Something is happening. Someone is casting a spell on Gwen. Do you feel that? I do. What's... Ow! Ah! Yeah, can I get the the lowdown? I take a quick, like... I want to make it look like I'm, like, freaking out or anything. But, like, I want to kind of... Sneaky perception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, go ahead and make an insight plus insight check for me. Actually, all of you do that. I, I want to actually do insight plus willpower because you're looking for your eyes, but you're also sensing out with your magic. Nine. I got an eight. And a ten. Nice. Atlas and Gwen, neither of you notice anything. I imagine, you know... Gwen, you're in too much pain to recognize anything. And Atlas, I think you're a little spooked that your your students being targeted. Yeah. But Cassandra, you notice in the corner, there is a man and the man is wearing a white suit with a black shirt and a white cravat. And he's looking at you. And for whatever reason, when you look at him, you can't really tell what his face looks like. The only thing you can really tell are his eyes and his eyes are violet and there are no whites in his eyes at all. It's all dark. And with those purple irises, he looks directly at you and you feel the thread of magic that is connecting to your friend. And as he notices that you notice this weird amorphous face you can get the sense that it's smiling at you and it holds a finger to where its lips would be. And then it snaps its fingers and Gwen, you all of a sudden get a sharp pain in your neck. Like, you have tattoos? Yeah. You weren't expecting it and someone just rapidly tattooed on your neck. Oh! Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so at this point, I feel like it'd be really hard not to draw attention to myself. Am I oh wrong? my god, like, yeah. No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay, like, yeah. so yeah, like, she quite literally, like, like, ah! <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. So at this point, I'm sure people are looking. Oh, yeah. And you pull your hand away from your neck, and there's blood on it. Oh. And Atlas and Cassandra, as you look, there's a rune carved into the back of her neck. And it is quietly pulsing with magic. What's the rune for? You don't recognize it. Ah. This is a rune that you do not recognize. And as you kind of collapse to the floor, a young man runs over and he's just like, are you are you all right? And he, he reaches out a hand to you and is just kind of like completely unaware of who you are, like does not care, but just saw that like you're in trouble. And he just runs over and like reaches out his hand like, are you all right? And I'm just like sort of looking at the blood on my hand, like looking at him and then at the blood. And like, I just don't know what to say. This has never happened to me before. So I'm just kind of like paralyzed with like fear because I've never seen magic like this before. That could just make me bleed like that. That's really crazy. Yeah. Cassandra attempts to leave the area to go after the purple eyed man and gets sort of a wave that she knows is from the teacher not to go any farther Mm. and sort of steps back towards Gwen and just looks at this random dude that just walked up and just says, perhaps there's someplace else we can go. I've got to heal her. And the young man, he, he has a, he pulled out a handkerchief and he's kind of resting it against the back of your neck. And uh, he just says, "Uh, it, it doesn't look deep. Um, here, there's, there's an alcove this way. And he kind of like gestures you here and he's kind of like clearly like muscling, like kind of people away. He looks back at you cause you mentioned that you were healing. Uh, and he just said, do you need any implements, a staff or wand, anything of that nature? No, I'm all right. And he, he kind of nods and he just says, do you need anything? Can I get you some water maybe? To Gwen, he says. No, we should really, we should really get going because we, people are staring, uh, can, can you please just get us to another room? I don't need anything. I don't need water. I just need to get out of here. All right. All right. All right. Out that door and along the way, second door on your right should be a guest bedroom. Head through there. And he said, I'll be in in a, a few minutes to check on you and see if there's anything else you need. And then he he turns and he walks away. And Cassandra immediately summons her powers to heal, to stop the bleeding. The tattoos that you can see that are on her chest and shoulders glow blue and then start to pool down her arms into her hands and all of the color is suddenly in her hands and glowing and she manipulates this light over the bleeding area, but... This is a pretty easy thing. I'm not going to say it costs you any MP. I'm not going to say you need to roll for this because you're used to like cuts and bruises. So you do manage to stop the bleeding. However, when you try and like close the wound entirely, you can't like at all. Like for whatever reason, like it's not bleeding. It is successfully coagulated. But normally you would be able to close this up like it never happened. Not even a scar. You cannot do that. And you You've never really been up against a, like opposing magic before, but you get the sense that something is pushing back. Something doesn't want you to heal this wound. 
But yeah, the rune do- is not fading. Teacher, help us. I don't know what this is. Did you see anything? What what happened? Who did this to me? There was a person of some sort. I'm not quite sure what they were. They had purple eyes and no face. No pupils. It was just dark purple and malicious. And I tried to go after them, but the teacher told me not to. Something's not right here. I don't know who they were. I don't know if they were person entirely. Atlas, have you heard anything of this sort before? I'm like looking through my notes, you know, and I'm like, no, I can't say anything, anything like this. Can, can you even like tell me anything else? Maybe something that might be able to try to find him out there if, if he's still here. They had a white suit on and a white cravat, but a black shirt and their eyes were the only part of their face I could focus on. The rest of it, it's like it wasn't even there. Like they were somehow faceless. I can't describe it any other way, but there's malevolent energy coming from them. Yeah, and Alice uh, kind of nods and says, yeah, it seems like they're all pretty malevolent if you ask me, but this guy seems to be particularly so. I hold on to my lapel and I say, I think we should, and I like, press on the piece of Gaia site that's in the, the flower that my dad's put on my lapel earlier. My <laughs> They're our dads now. <laughs> oh, no. I don't, I don't know. I, on the one hand, I'm dying to know how it's going on their end, but maybe the best way we can help is to try and lean into this distraction that we've caused. Yes, yes. This must be the work of the Deceiver. We have to let the people know the Deceiver is out there. I think the party guests would be delighted (laughs) to have a speech by the speaker at this party. I think that's the perfect distraction. Oh, screw whatever's happening to my neck. Let's go back out there and, and let's let's give them what they want. Come on. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to cut to Team Bravo. So Team Bravo, you've made it through the second floor. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is you only have two more floors you need to go. The bad news is you do need to make it to the West Wing in order to get all the way up to the office that is on the fourth floor. And how far is that? Not terribly. But the problem is, is that given your current attire, there is absolutely zero reason why you should be up here. So I am going to need some stealth rolls. Yes. Oh, I was like, hallway fight. Hallway (laughs) Hallway fight, yeah. Time to brawl, baby. Oh, there's still one more floor. Don't you worry, chickadees. We'll get it happening. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make it daredevil out of you yet. I'm going to need everybody in Team Bravo kindly make a sneaking. I, I, I think this is just a pure dexterity roll. Honestly, you're just trying not to be seen. I got 15. I rolled a, uh, a, a nine. Man, Travis, you are just. <laughs> He's doing his best. I got 15. He's doing his best. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say. Megan, you succeeded so completely that you are able to compensate for Tyler's. I knock out the security camera. 
<laughs> yeah, the magic security camp. No, what winds up happening is uh, Tyler. So basically you're going down the hall and there's not as many servants up here, but now there are guards because there's no reason for guests to be up here and there's not really anything servants need to have access to. So as you're moving around up here, you approach this hallway. You're going to need to cut across a pretty large swath of floor that's well illuminated in order to get to the West Wing. Suri, you move well, but Sunhawk moves beautifully. Like, it's almost dancing the degree of skill and grace that Sunhawk is able to move through the shadows. Suri, you're able to successfully move across. Travis, you're able to not be seen, but you're definitely heard. Because you're used to working in a loud engine room. You're not used to having to, like, muffle every noise. And so there's a bit of clonk, clonk, clonk as you're going. <laughs> there is a guard, and the guard kind of, like, goes around and peeks through. And as his head is going around, Sunhawk, your head is already turned. And you do a total daredevil move where you take your screamer, you throw it, and it hits the dude in the head, ricochets off the wall, and then you catch it in your hand, and the dude's unconscious. <laughs> you just look back at Travis again, just like... I Okay, I, I look at you, <laughs> and I look at that happen, and I look at you, and I'm like, that was impressive, but give me a wrench and some clockwork, and I'll show you a thing or two, and then I leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> You've successfully made it to the other side and you have the pocket watches. So you are now able to pass through the security on the stairwell, but you cannot take the elevator still. Mm -hmm. Unless there's anything you guys want to do on this floor, you guys can head up to the office. Let's do it. We should take the opportunity <laughs> before I trip. How much noise is this making? So you, this, your noise is going to fill one segment on the clock. Travis! Well, oh, we did also just leave an unconscious man in the hallway, but it is my fault, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, we gotta be quicker now. So as you're heading up the stairs, you hear voices in the office. And one of them is masculine and the rest are feminine. And you slowly get from what people are saying and what's going on. This is J.D. Pierce and some guests that he's um, entertaining in his office. Lady guests. Ooh. So there is that. So I look at I look at Sunhawk and I'm like, wasn't it supposed to be empty? Uh, yes, yes, it was supposed to be empty. Okay, okay. And I look at you like, <laughs> mm, strike one. <laughs> She's like, shh, we just, we need a new plan. It's fine. Um, is there any sort of like window or anything that like is another access to the office? Is it just like a door? The only way in or out of this place is the servant stairs, which to be fair, they are behind a bookshelf. It's it's a fake door that you can push into and you're up to the door and you hear these voices. So you can do that. But the only way into this office are either the elevator or the stairs. That's the only way you can get in or out. Can we make a distraction? Do you need me to knock on the door? What do you what do you want? You're in charge. The issue is, no matter what we do, the second he notices there's three servants up here, we're caught. That That's it. 
So it just depends on if we want to go in loud now or loud five seconds later. Here's what I think we should do. I say, since I'm assuming these guests won't pose a threat, I say we literally bust the door in. Two of us try and secure J.D. Pierce while the third searches the office as quickly as possible. Then we bust up the guy site and we get the fuck out of Dodge. I look at you and I look at Surrey. I reach behind my back and I pull out my pistol and I go, I always bring a spare. I look at them. I'm like, I think I think we need to try to make as little impact as possible. I was like, what if I knock on the door and just go in and then I grab a girl and run out? What if what if I just take one and see if that does anything? Because it would cause a distraction. Captain Surreal Hawk, what if I just take one? (laughs) (laughs) What if I just take a person? You think a hostage won't cause just as much of a stir? Not a hostage. No, no, no. I just grab her and run. And I take her somewhere else while you two come in. It's a good distraction. So we're not just busting down a door. Captain, we've done shakedowns before. This isn't anything new. (laughs) Fine. And she takes out her other (laughs) pistol as well. And she's like, I could have grabbed a girl. But all right. <laughs> well, let's be real. Suri is a little. She likes. She likes everybody and in between. So she also was kind of like. I could have grabbed a girl. Like, Look, this could have been at the beginning of an adventure novel, but I guess you guys aren't romantics. All right, let's go. <laughs> if they have their pistols out, can I uh, combine my? Yeah, totally. You can combine your scream into the staff. I assume like we get in position to just like completely just like kick this door in and like just go and hold hold these people hostage for a little bit. Oh wait, and then before we're literally with their legs raised as we're about to kick it down, I go, wait, who's going for the desk? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. And now we can <laughs> All right. I kicked the door down. We kick it down! Breach and clear. The clock is full. <gasps> it's on full alert. What do we see? You are no longer sneaky. So here's what happens. You bust open the door <laughs> and there is a very grotesquely large man on the desk. On the desk. On the desk. And there are three women. All four of these individuals are in a state of undress. Great. Great. And there is a moment of pause when the door breaks open and they see stable people, (laughs) two of them with guns and one of them with a bow staff. (laughs) And there's just a moment of pause. I literally am like, nobody move everyone in the corner now. And I just and I also just like look at everyone and I'm like, do we really just walk in on that (laughs) at the same time? Like I'm being commanding. (laughs) Well, you say that the 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 job of the hut ask man, this Baron Harkonnen man looks at you and is just like, do you have any idea who I am? Do you have any idea what you're doing? Can I smack him? You may absolutely pistol whip this man. (laughs) I'm going to pistol whip him and I'm going to say, did I stutter? (laughs) All right. You're making up for all the stumbles now. (laughs) (laughs) You break his nose. His face is covered in blood. And he's just kind of like 
sputtering and just kind of like in shock a little bit. The girls scream and uh, begin moving over to the corner. <laughs> Sunhawk, go ahead and make a dexterity plus insight check to loot the desk. Okay. While they're doing that and I'm going to start corralling the women, I want to turn to Travis and go, that was brilliant. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not done yet. Captain. This was supposed to be a sneaky heist. <laughs> 17. You're going around it and you find a bunch of documents and quickly scanning through them. You're really used to absorbing information quickly. So you're scanning through them. Some of them are addressed to SG as you are going through these letters. And then you find the important thing. You find the journal with the sun etched on it and you pull it out. You pocket it before anybody else can see. And Pierce is kind of spluttering. And then you hear one of the women just kind of like all of a sudden she just like stops screaming and everything. And she sighs and she just says, well, that changes the timetable a bit. And she points two fingers at J.D. Pierce the third and a jet of fire lances out of her fingers and incinerates his head, leaving a stain of ash in the shape of his head on the desk. And she looks at you all, and she smiles, and she just says, ta-ta. And that is where we are ending tonight's session. Oh, oh my, my God. God oh, my God. I get to give him... What? This woman is my hero. It's Suriel's new hero. She's going to follow her wherever she asks her to go. Uh, yeah, so that's the end of uh, episode one. Yay! It is time to divvy out experience points. So everybody automatically gets five experience points because it is the end of a session. Um, we do have two awards to give out functionally one of them is called mvp and the other is called i don't remember what it's called but it's basically the party so you guys i don't get a vote but you guys vote on who was the most in character and played to their themes and their role the best and who was basically the mvp mechanically who through dice and using the rules allowed the party to get closer to their goal so let's start with mvp mechanically who uh who do you vote for for being the most mechanically helpful in the mission i vote sunhawk easy 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 sunhawk yeah i'd say sunhawk yeah definitely oh thanks <laughs> sounds like it's unanimous literally Carried that on her back. <laughs> yeah, literally. Megan, you may need to go see a chiropractor considering you carried that entire mission. <laughs> um, all right, Megan, congratulations. You get an additional two XP. Sweet. Thank you. And next, who was the most in character? Who do you think played to the core ideals and identity of their character the best this session? Travis. I really like Sharon. I think that it was really fun watching Sharon be a fish out of water. I was going to say Sharon as well. Yeah, I vote Sharon, too. That was my second choice with Sharon. I just thought Travis Bumbling was just brilliant. <laughs> that was great, yeah. Thank you. Sharon, congratulations. You get an additional two XP. All right, everyone. So thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of A Troop of Players. I hope you had fun. I know I did. Thank you so much. And we look forward to you joining us next time. Take care.
Thank you for listening to A Troop of Players, an actual play podcast, featuring the talents of Tatiana Bustamante, Megan Denning, Michael Jones, Alex Koza, Tyler Lynch, Chris McLean, and Sharon Ray Ryan. Editing for this episode was provided by Mitchell Shire. Our logo was designed by Coleman Cannell. Fabula Ultima is developed by Rooster Games. It is scheduled for release in 2022 and will be published by Need Games. This podcast uses playtest materials and may not reflect the official rules upon release. The setting and characters of this podcast should not be considered canon for any official Fabula Ultima content. For more information on the game, please visit www.needgames.it or www.fabulaultima.com. That's F-A-B-U-L-A-U-L-T-I-M-A.com. If you would like to support the development of Fabula Ultima, go to www.patreon.com slash roosteremma. That's patreon.com slash roosterema.com. Reach out to us on Instagram or TikTok for more information on the cast, crew, or lore of the game at a troop of players, or send us an email at a troop of players at gmail.com. That's at A T R O U P E of players.